Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Hey guys, this episode of the Wingman Podcast is brought to you by Sitka Gear. And we've been partnered with Sitka for, man, I don't know, four years, five years now? Since the beginning. We've been wearing Sitka Gear and I... Oh man, you guys have heard me talk about Sitka Gear on and off and sing their praises. But what I wanted to do is explain to you exactly why I'm a believer in Sitka Gear and what it's done for me as a waterfowler. First of all, I grew up wearing hand-me-down clothes, wearing that stuff in the 80s and 90s where I was always wet. I was always cold. And so having good, high-quality gear that keeps me in the field until I'm ready to go home is vital. And it's just super important, and I appreciate it so much. And the folks over at Sitka just build the single best waterfowl clothing on the planet. The fit, the performance, every single piece is exactly is thought out perfectly, and it is performance-driven. I think back to some of the hunts that we do out here just last season, as a matter of fact, hunting at 21 below zero uh, on a late season goose and duck hunt. I was able to stay out there long enough in the field that I harvested my dream bird, which was a Drake pintail. That was using Sitka's boreal setup, both the parka, both the jacket and the bibs. That stuff is built for the late season. But there's more to, obviously, Sitka's waterfowl setup than, or Sitka's waterfowl system, I should say, than just simply cold weather. I look at the Delta system and it is designed to keep you dry in, even in the early season when it's warm and you might be working up a big sweat walking into your spot, that system's going to breathe and it's going to keep you dry from the outside while also ventilating you from the inside. I've seen it on cold days. I've seen this exact thing happen with her when I'm layered up with the Sitka gear. I start with uh, either a synthetic or, a mer- or their merino base, and then I put on, a lot of times I'll just put on like a, either a soft shell or a puffy vest, and then either a soft shell or a puffy on top. The Dakota hoodie is one of my favorite pieces, but I've also used some pieces that aren't, are no longer uh, in production, which is a high mountain hoodie, but I've seen the moisture get pulled off my skin through the layers and actually freeze as ice particles and frost particles on the outside of the clothing. Now, what that's doing is it's telling me that sweat that I worked up in the morning going into my spot is is getting sucked away from my skin, keeping me warm and keeping me dry and keeping me in the blind hunting birds. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Wingmen Podcast. You are listening to episode 46, and I have the distinct pleasure of having Sarah Hetty on with me, and Sarah was recommended by Hugh Clark of Alaska Waterfowlers. Hugh was on episode, oh man, 42, I think. Yeah, episode 42. So that was a couple episodes back. Hugh and I talked about all kinds of stuff, Alaska. And I have the distinct pleasure to have sitting here with Sarah, who not only was Hugh recommended that you pop on, Sarah, but you yeah. happen to be our very first female podcast guest. That's so, amazing. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And 
I, I just haven't had a chance to sit down and chat with any gals. So this would be fun. Um, first of all, thank you for taking the time and sitting down with me. And I want to know all about your hunt in Alaska. I want to know all about how you got started in hunting. I love to hear everybody's story when it comes to duck hunting, because when, in, in my opinion, that's what, when at the end of the day, that's what duck hunting boils down to. That's what hunting in general boils down to is our stories. You know? right. And we all have a unique one. You know, it doesn't matter how you got started, who got you started, who got you into it, what you, how you, what you came to it with or without the, the story is what matters. And that's what binds us all together as hunters. And I just want to say thank you for jumping on, taking the time. And this is going to be cool. Thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah, absolutely. So Sarah, let's talk about Alaska first and we'll and we'll loop back. I hate the term circle back, uh, by the way, but <laughs> we'll loop back. We'll go back to um, how you got into it. But this trip to Alaska is kind of what hooked you and I together because of Hugh Clark and you went with Hugh and I, I'm going to, I'm going to come clean i facebook stalked you a little bit this <laughs> afternoon just because i knew you had some pictures of some stuff that you had done up there you got an emperor goose right. you got some harlequin ducks yes tell me about that because i i've been to kodiak island and i've been a little bit to the mainland but i never had the opportunity i never stayed late enough in the year when i lived up there to actually hunt waterfowl right um we you want me to start from where i drew the tag or just from how did this itself? even come about because that's <laughs> gonna we're gonna whip back into how you got into this whole crazy world of duck hunting in the first place got it okay so last year my taxidermist up in fresno california his name's bob jungman he's amazing um he had um just done taxidermy on my cinnamon teal that i'd shot at mendota um, here in California. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I went up there to pick it up from him and he said, Hey, did you apply for your tag for an emperor goose in Alaska? And I said, Bob, I'm, I'm not that level of hunter. I don't, Alaska is only a pop dream for me. Um, I would, it's just a, a bucket list place to go. And he said, well, you need to apply for the tag because the deadline is coming up, um, here in a couple of weeks. And I said, well, you know, I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about the, you know, emperor goose, the, the process, nothing. And he said, um, well, you, you go to their website for Alaska Fishing Game. You put in the application. And then in a couple of months, we'll find out if you drew. And I said, to how many other people am I competing against here? And he said, uh, thousands. And yeah. I said, yeah, it's a lot. Okay. So the chances of me getting drawn are like, not really going to be a thing. And he said, well, if you don't apply, then you're definitely not going to get drawn. And I said, oh, that's a good point. So I went and applied. Uh, he said, if he said, if you need any help, I have a friend named Hugh Clark that lives in Alaska with Alaska Waterfowl Association. And he will happily walk you through the process. If you have any questions or have any issues. Um, here's his name. Here's his number, contact information. So you can reach out to him um, and help you through the process. So I called Hugh and introduced myself, 
how I got his information. So he didn't think I was crazy. <laughs> and um, uh, he did walk me through the process a little bit, told me kind of what to expect. Uh, he and I had a fantastic conversation um, about how it all goes and Alaska in general. And he had me excited from then before I even knew that I drew. A um, couple of months later, uh, I was at work and I get a text that says that I needed to check my email. Um, and I guess it was just um, the way the notification process went. Sure. And I, I read the email and it said that I had been drawn for an emperor tag in Alaska. Holy smokes. And, uh, like heart pounding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And then, you know, you wonder, is it like the spam? Did they pick up? You know, is it this thing just to make sure I'm paying attention? I got to stop you, know. you for a second. The My day job that happens in this office is the editor. And, and a lot of listeners know this, but I'm the editor for Eastman's Hunting Journals. Right. And I bet you that 75 to 80% of the stories that I get submitted start with that comment right there. <laughs> right. I, I got a text message or I got an email and I thought it was spam. There's no way I drew this tag, That's whether right. it's for an emperor goose or a Rocky Mountain bighorn shape or you know, right. whatever it might be. So that's awesome that 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 there again, that hunting translates. So anyway, oh, keep, yeah. keep going. Most definitely. So of course I called Bob first and I said, Bob, you are not going to believe this. And he said, what? And I said, I drew the tag. And he said, you are kidding me. And I said, I would not kid about something like that because this is a really big deal. And he said, you have no idea how big of a deal it is. He yeah. said, there are thousands of people that apply for this. And it was your first time. And I said, well, let's not tell anybody else that because I don't want to make anybody mad. And <laughs> he said, no, it's incredible. You have to call Hugh. Um, so I called my daddy next, of course, <laughs> which we will not circle back to, but we will loop back around. To whatever, whatever. <laughs> um, and I told him that I drew the emperor goose tag and he said, you dog. And I said, why am I a dog? He said, I've been applying for that my whole entire Your dad. And the state of Alaska has never even sent me so much as a thank you, oh much less gosh. draw the tag. <laughs> that is awesome. Right. Um, so then I called Hugh and told him, and of course he was also in disbelief Yeah. and he's like, all right, well, um, Whenever you have some time, we need to go over your options for outfitters, go over your trip options, set up some dates and get stuff booked now, um, you know, even though it's like a year out yeah. um, so that we can get this ball rolling in the right direction. And it went from there. Wow. That is, I, I love the backstory on all that with your dad and of course, Hugh, um, you know, I, and I, and I said this before, if anybody wants to hunt Alaska, whether it is for an emperor goose or sea ducks or whatever it might be, you gotta call Hugh because the That's dude right. is connected, man. He I is. mean, he, yeah, he knows people everywhere. It's unreal. It's <laughs> unreal. And, and it was funny when he was, when he, he and I were supposed to do the podcast, um, I got a chance to sneak out and get after some some elk and get my freezer filled which is pretty 
it's a that's a big opportunity to when you get the one close to home like that and we ended up killing a couple of elk that evening and awesome. i had to call Hugh and be like dude i'm really sorry but we need to reschedule because <laughs> i got 800 pounds of meat on the ground to deal with you know that's and fantastic yeah Congratulations. So he, he was, oh thank you but you know, the, the point of that is he was super understanding and he's like yeah, oh, yeah. no problem man and it actually worked out pretty good because then he had more storage because he was in montana at the time that's right and got his swan yes he did and so yes. we we got an opportunity to visit about that and about the whole swan being the spirit of dead people or whatever <laughs> i'm not sure i'm not sure about babies i don't know something about yeah dead babies and i'm like oh, yeah. oh i've never heard that but yeah one of his daughters <laughs> yeah 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 exactly but anyway anyway but so your dad has been applying for this tag that you drew for years. Oh, many years. So there's your dad's obviously a hunter. Yes. So what at what age did he start dragging you along or having to make excuses why he couldn't take you? One, <laughs> there's one of two options there. It's either right. that's well, um, with my girls. I got to like if I want to go by myself, it's got to be. Like, oh, it's too cold this morning, girls. You oh, know, yeah. But, the water is this high and yeah, you're only yeah. this high. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I and I take my kids as much as I possibly can. But that's fantastic. How old are they? Oh, I got a four-year-old, a six-year-old, and a one-year-old. Oh my goodness. My that's two so my two girls cool. are six and four. And right now we've been sitting in, in negative temperatures for oh, I don't know, several days. And so the last couple hunts I've been on, they haven't gone. Right. But um, and we've been doing a bunch of filming, but quite often they go and they've got yeah. the clothes and they get bundled up. But so back to you, what, when did your dad start taking you? So, um, I went with my daddy a few times out, um, dove and quail hunting, uh, cause it just, it was right in the backfields right behind the house. So it wasn't like we had to load up anything. Which, where's the house? Because anybody that's listening to this is going to automatically assume things. Uh, the, Georgia. The, yeah, there you go. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, in South Georgia, where okay. I was raised. Okay. Um, we would just, you know, go. There were a couple of fields behind our house. Just, you know, in the afternoon or evening, walk through there. And for a dove or quail, whatever time of the year it was, you know. Um, but for the duck hunting side of it, it, it came later. I was stationed, I'm in the Navy, Okay. Um, and I was stationed in Japan, and it was right around 2006, probably. Uh, I came home on leave, and he said, hey, we're going duck hunting. Um, do you want to come with us? And I said, is a fat dog heavy? Yeah. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> so <laughs> we um, went down to Lake Ammonia, which is in North Florida, just right across, because I'm from very, very South Georgia. Okay. And so it's uh, about 45 minutes or an hour away, Lake Ammonia in Florida. Met up with some friends of theirs um, at the Duck Camp Lodge. Pretty fancy establishment that we have there. Single wide trailer. Nice. Um, <laughs> nice. Um, it's perfect. Yeah. And uh, we, you know, stayed the night there. Little campfire by the water, sitting around, picking the guitar, telling stories, you know. The kind of thing that you think is just on movies is really not. And um not at you know, all. He and his buddies and they they were super excited that I was there. And they said, You're the first 
woman we've ever had down here. They said the the first petticoat that has ever been allowed. First petticoat. Yeah. (laughs) That's a Southern thing. Holy (laughs) smokes. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, so we went out the next morning and, um, uh, massacred, uh, ringnecks and a, some bluebills. Cause that's what's down there. And I was hooked from there. Um, and then every time I went home on leave, then we would go, which it was always amazing. And now it's, you know, the rest of the story here, I am in California hunting and going all over the place at just about any opportunity that I get. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, and like I said, I apologize, but I had to get some sort of vibe as to, as to who you were, because you just came highly recommended from Hugh. And so I looked at some pictures and, and, and yeah, I mean, you've got photos of, you know, you know, it's not just a, Oh, I applied for this emperor goose tag. I drew it and I went and killed a goose. No, this this is who you are. Right. This is 100% who you are. And, and the stories I I've never done. I've never done a Southern duck camp. Like what you described. Oh, it's, I cannot tell you, you have to, you have to for sure. And the yeah. best one is the duck camp lodge. Yeah. I bet. I like I bet. <laughs> you know, and, and there's just, it's goes back into that culture of waterfowling and there's duck camps and goose camps all over all over the United States, all over the world. That's right. But man, there's some of those traditions and some of those historic places like the Southern States, like um, along the Chesapeake, out there in the Delta in California. Man, you guys have some phenomenal duck shooting out there. That's right. Hoping to take advantage of it Saturday morning as a matter of fact. Yeah, you're going to get out good good oh yeah he was flying down here and we're going yeah (laughs) and we're going up to chico to hunt some ducks that's awesome well i have to tell him hi for me so i will do it that is cool but so when you're hunting out in california then are you hunting public are you hunting private or what are you doing um public most of the time is public um mendota uh, refuge is about an hour and five minutes north of me. Okay. So um, we go fight the good fight, and uh, it is considerably different than how I learned how to duck hunt in South Georgia. That's oh, for I sure. Bet. Um, and you know, uh, it's a good time. It's good friends, and there are stories that I will tell for the rest of my life of stuff that have happened. Uh, at, give us, at give us, give us a couple. Oh, uh, I don't know. It's just you know, I grew up hunting. With when I was with my daddy, you know, we would go in the boat and drive in the boat into a semi permanent blind. Sure. And it was just me and him, and everybody there knew everybody else. So it's all right. Well, this is where Rusty hunts, or this is where Robert hunts, or this is where, you know, and people had the respect for each other to stay in those spots. Sure. But at Mendota, you have, you know, your resi line and your sweat line, and it is a race. It is absolutely a race and people will set up you know 75 yards away from you and not even care come in as the sun is rising and mess up your whole game but um you know opening day is always a fantastic time because everybody is there everybody's excited about the season and people bring you know their moose meat they bring elk people bring duck or geese steaks and every frog legs People just contribute every bit to the big pot. And it's like one big happy reunion because everybody's duck hunters and everybody's there to do the same thing. 
Um, and even if we don't keep in touch throughout the year all the time, when we all come together at Mendota, you know, it's always a good time sitting around catching up. That's cool. Yeah. It, back again into what binds us as waterfowlers. This conversation that you and I are having right now started when I had Ramsey Russell on the podcast, I don't know, 10, 15 episodes ago. And we got talking about the culture of waterfowl and about how as hunters, yes, the birds are important and the dogs, all uh, the guns, it's all part of it. It's all part of it, but That's it's right. the stories. Oh it's, yeah. It's the people because <laughs> when you started talking about that Mendota and you start talking about the res line and the sweat line, and, and I don't know exactly what those are, but I can picture <laughs> I can picture in my head, I've hunted enough public areas and refuge air style areas where it's a foot race or a boat race, or it's a mad scramble. Oh yeah. To get to, to get to your spot. And while, you know, there's the, there's the old saying there's, there's you and everybody in your party and then all the assholes, right? That's so true. Best but, friends until you try to set up on each other. <laughs> right. Exactly. But at the end of the day, we're all out there for those same reason. And that's the ducks. That's, that's the right. geese. That's the, whatever it might be you know, out here in Wyoming, the, the public land, big game stuff is that way. It's not to that extent what you're talking about, but you'll pull into a trailhead to, to go get started on an elk hunt or a deer hunt. And there'll be 15 trucks with horse trailers there. Oh, no. And you're thinking, man, there's no way there's, no, I'm never going to see anything. Well, if you go and you hunt, and you put your time in and you hunt smart and do what you can do. That's right. Chances are you're going to find some success. That's right. And Wait, I can't and even go ahead. No, no. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Um, here, you know, we have um, groups of people that we hunt with most of the time, you know, our clicks. We have a group of people in the Navy. All Most of us know each other and say, hey, are you going this weekend? Are we going to meet up or not? Um, and, you know, we kind of stick together. And then um, through other hunts, I've met other people that are not in the Navy um, and enjoyed hunting with them too. So um, at Mendota, I met Carrie and Riley. They're a couple that are there very frequently. Carrie is the owner of Women of Fowl, which is a company out here, kind of small, but she's fantastic. And then she and I met up with Melinda Dodds, who... Uh, she runs California God service over on the coast okay. and all of us keep in touch with each other. And even last year had a fantastic hunt. Um, really, really good time. Very good people. And I love, love, love seeing other women hunter hunters um, and waterfowlers because it doesn't seem like there's that many until you start like a website or a group chat. And then everybody starts coming out of the woodworks. Sure. So Sure. You know, now we have a group of, you know, 35 or 40 women that are somewhat in this area. So when we have hunts that we set up, um, I set up a goose hunt last year and I've got two set up this year of nothing but women hunters. Wow. And it's, it's fantastic when we all get together. It really is a good time. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm, I'm actually headed out in the morning and we're going to film a goose hunt and, and the, our video producer is her name's Lindsay and man, she, she gets after it as hard, as good as any of us do, you know, but most of the time, if I've got somebody else, like last 
last hunt we filmed, it was just all, it was all dudes and it, and there's a camaraderie there. There's a, you know, we're all brothers of the hunt. So I can only imagine because I'm not a a woman (laughs) that it's gotta, there's gotta be something similar there. There's gotta be something, a similar vibe that when it's all you and your, and your girlfriends that there, that that's a real special time. It really is. And even across the United States, there's a um, young lady named Kate Hunt that is, she's out of South Carolina and she has the Duck Huntress um, page and brand. And even it's my shirt. It's my favorite shirt. Okay. Okay. Um, she, um, she has an incredibly huge fan base and she's amazing. She's a veteran as well. And uh, she I'm, keeps, I'm looking her up on Instagram right now. She's fantastic and beautiful too. Uh, so it's, it, it brings us all together because we all talk about our experiences. We all swap hunts. We talk about how we can all get together and make it happen, which is always fantastic. No, I bet. I bet. That is super cool. Yeah. Kate Hunt right there. Yeah. There She's she on is. my page if you need to find her. No, She's yeah. Great. No, I'm actually surprised I'm not following this page. There's a lot of cool stuff on here. Yes. DH. So what is the duck, duck huntress? Hunt. Yep. Duck huntress. Got it. Got it. So you guys in connection you've got this sisterhood thing going and you are do you travel at all for this i mean outside of california do you will you go on other hunts other places Um, yes uh we went so this past a couple of weekends ago i went hunting with my brother with um up in the connecticut um sorry rhode island area okay and um we didn't get anything weather did not was not our friend that day and that's you know that's the way it goes but um we hunted there and then last year went down to florida with deep creek waterfowlers and craig pinafalo who is the owner of that club um also fantastic people uh got up with them went and killed my first wood ducks which was cool oh, nice um got a pair in one shot which was pretty cool too good for uh, you yeah and, uh, double. right and uh so florida georgia california alaska <laughs> um i'm open to going anywhere we've talked about it but again i'm in the navy and now we're starting to get ready to go on deployment so time is yeah of the essence until yeah, the end of the year yeah i bet i bet no, it's interesting you say that because uh, the I, I kind of I hunt a little bit with with one of the local outfitters here, and it's more of a I scratch his back, he scratches mine. We help each other out as much as possible. We're actually we're going to be hunting a field that I a big Canada goose feed that I scouted today and got lined out, but he has clients, and I don't have enough guns. I don't have enough guys to make a well, even anybody to make a good shoot out of the number of birds that are there right it's it's a giant feed and i'm, I'm not going to go blow it up with with two people you know right. so i said man we need we need to take a, a crew in here and and do this right and of course he's got and it's cold and so he's got the heated blind and he's got some clients in and he's like well if you don't care about me bringing clients i'll i can bring everything and I said, well, if you don't care about me having a camera gal with me, yeah, he's like, no, not at all. So 
that's what, you know, that's what we're doing. But the trip he had, the group he had bef- um, before, which I think was two days ago, he I think they had a group of gals that I think they had six or eight ladies and they were young. They, they were, they were young. And I don't know if they were college age or, or what it was, but they came out and they just crushed the birds. That's so awesome. Crushed them. And it was funny. I was asking one of his guides who is, uh, he's, he has an amazing sense of humor. Uh, and I said, so how, how, how was the hunt in the last couple of days? I was asking about how are the birds, how are the birds, what, you know, what it do. He's like, dude, we had a group of gals. They wore us out. They were yeah. so high energy. Yeah. <laughs> I just had to laugh because they're used to getting, you know, older dudes in there. And, and oh, yeah. Uh, he's like, man, these girls last just year go, for go, the, go. Yeah. For the goose hunt, there were, I think there were 11 of us there into that. Holy end. smokes. Yeah. Well, we started out with like 22. And then by the end, it kind of whittled down as it got sure. closer. Um, but I, I want to say we had, it was either 11 or 13, but we had a good group of girls and um, we all went on a goose hunt, dry field, all, you know, laid out. And the first group of birds came in and we all shot and the God said, holy crap, these girls can shoot. Yeah. Nice. I <laughs> yeah, love it. it. Great. I love it. Great. So it sounds like you've got, like I said, quite the little quite the sisterhood going on there with traveling around and doing hunts. And I like to, I like to promote anything that brings camaraderie into hunting, because like you said, going back to the public land hunting, man, it can be just fierce competition. Oh yeah. Where it's like, you know, you talk about those guys that set little set up, you know, 75 yards downwind to you. And it happens everywhere. It's not just California. It's not just Arkansas and the flooded timber. You know, we see that on social media, the boat races and the foot races. And oh yeah, it doesn't even look like fun to me, but <laughs> you know, the, the point of that is um, having groups that can get together. I like to promote that. I like to promote that camaraderie, whether it's, you know, it doesn't matter who it is or where it is. Because at the end of the day, if we don't continue that and push that, that love for hunting in general, but especially waterfowl, you know, we're a generation away from losing all of it. That's so true. So true. And I so think the true. same applies for kids, you know, getting our kids out there. I have 100%. a nine-year-old and last year, my nine-year-old started coming with me and it's the greatest thing in the whole world. It really is. Yeah. Mine are, like I said, mine, mine come along, but it's it's a it's quite a bit of babysitting still you know there's gotta be lots of snacks and hot chocolate and yes i said the same thing it's it's amazing the amount the massive amount of stuff that you have to take when you drag a kid along with you (laughs) as compared with us we're like all right let's not carry too much because we have to carry it i took Um, a i took a sled one of those those big plastic jet sleds i have the same thing we use them all the time out here because a lot of times this time of year it's snow and it just makes like hauling birds out easier doing whatever but i think the sled was full of like extra clothes blankets food i mean you name it we had it and it was and and i loved every minute of it we you know we have a great time doing that but i think that's where it starts you've got to get them into it before the world gets them by the collar yes before there's more things that are more important (laughs) man and and it seems like there's an endless 
And it's not just kids. It's people in general. There is an endless amount of distraction available out there that it's just easier to, you know, jump on Instagram or it's easier to, to Snapchat or that's right. Turn on net, turn on Netflix. It's still, it doesn't do as good for your soul though. It as doesn't, it doesn't, <laughs> but getting that, but getting that through to people is the hard part because oh, it's cold. I got to get up early. I don't That's know, right. but I tell you what, you take them once and they hear those whistling wings and they see those ducks cup up and then you take them home and you grill up some of those duck breasts on a grill and yes, <laughs> it, it hooks them. It hooks That's them. That's right. So these, That's- this, these group hunts that you guys do, how does somebody, you know, cause I, I know I have some female listeners out there that might be going, Hey, that sounds like a ball or I have dads of girls or I have yes. you know, whatever. So like, Hey, you might want to check this out. How do these folks get a hold of you guys to, to tag along or become part of this? Um, anybody can message me anytime and I'll be more than happy to help out with how I can. Um, we have a couple of different Facebook groups um, that we all manage to keep in touch through, um, you know, and we're all Facebook friends with each other, too. So that helps. Sure. We have a couple of messages where we've built the group text of those of us that, you know, go more often than the norm. You know, hey, jump at every opportunity that comes available. Um, but yeah, I would say shoot me a message, um, or shoot, there's a list of us that are always promoting, especially women, cause there's not enough of us, um, right. that like to get out there, you know, maybe they're scared or maybe they think there's not any other woman that's out there. Um, you know, they're intimidated or they're, they don't know what the guys are going to say. And even last year for our goose hunt that we did, we had a couple of girls that had never pulled the trigger before, had never hunted before. And we told them, hey, come along with us. It's women. You're safe with us. You're good with us. We're not, we're not going to make it, you know, intimidating or scary. We'll walk you through it. We'll go over a lot of safety stuff. Uh, we did the same thing for a pheasant hunt here uh, last year. We had an all-women veteran, uh, all-women's pheasant hunt as well. And same thing. There were a couple of the girls that did the goose hunt with me earlier and then they joined us and then a couple of other new hunters again went over safety, 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 yeah. um, a lot of the basics. Hey, we have guns you can borrow. We have gear you can borrow. And if you lock it, then you can get your own. But until you feel comfortable or until you know that you're hooked, which you will be, um, then you can just borrow our stuff. Now, that's super cool. And I, I yeah. hats off to you guys for doing that. Um, Thank you. It's pretty awesome yeah because i don't i i think so much of our recruitment efforts focus on you know parents and kids and i i know that's how you got into this that's how i got into this it was who we were i mean i've been doing this since i was six or seven years old blowing a call and it's just who just who i was yeah but that's not it's not the case for everybody and so having a group that you feel comfortable with whether it's a group of guys or a group of gals or it's a co-ed group mixed group whatever if you feel comfortable around them you're gonna let your you're gonna let your hair down hair down i guess well yeah (laughs) yeah there's nothing up there so yeah yeah, pretty bald but uh no you're gonna be comfortable and you're gonna have a good time and that's just gonna add to the camaraderie because like i said 
earlier, like we were talking about at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. And I, that's super cool. I'm going to, when I, when I post this up in the description, I'll write up, make sure that I point out that, Hey, if you've got questions and you're interested in this contact Sarah yes, and yes, yes. she can get you guys, she can get you lined out and maybe part of a hunt. Cause there's not enough, there's not enough of us, you know, even, even okay. with, and I don't care if we're talking about gals or guys or like hunters in general, there's as crowded as public resources are. And, and as much of a battle as that is, like I said, we are one generation away from it being gone. That's right. And you want to see something scary in this country. You take away sportsmen and women. And you see what happens to wildlife. There That's won't right. be any wildlife. You know, I'm yeah. looking at, I'm looking at an example of we are kind of sitting on this precipice here in the central flyway right now, where we haven't had as a country, we haven't had a bird count census in two years. And I started paying attention when Ramsey Russell was out here this fall, because he said that he hadn't only killed a couple of juvenile ducks. Right. like birds of the year everything yes. he was killing was was adult birds so i started paying attention and keeping a tally and i've killed two juvenile mallards oh wow two birds of the year so far this year and i've killed over you know probably over 30 or 40 ducks 30 or 40 mallards right. and two that's it and you know we are on you couple that Oh, that's scary to me because we're not, we're not getting any recruitment of birds, but if we don't get recruitment of hunters to help fix that problem, then it that's all right. goes, then it all goes away. You know, the birds you don't look at California too, with the water situation, you know, we're absolutely desperate for water. Right. Um, and you, you know, guys had a big disease outbreak this year out there in a mark. And well, and then absolute drought situation yeah. and the wildfires and everything else that yeah. goes on out here it does not do us any favors at all right and, you know up in um in sacramento area where it's you know very very popular for duck hunting waterfowling in general um there's a lot of people that said hey you know this was last year hey we can book a hunt but there's a chance that what you think might be you know a flooded rice field hunt is going to be a dry field hunt because wow. there's no water and, you know, when there's no water, the ducks are just going to go somewhere else because that's what they're looking for. So yeah. it, it makes uh, hunting conditions quite tough here too. Yeah. And it's, and it's everywhere. You know, I look at, uh, the folks I talk to on the, in the, in the Atlantic flyway and they just don't have mallards anymore. That's right. I mean, they have mallards, but they don't have them like, like they should, right. like they used to, you know, like we go out here and it's that's 95% of what we kill is, is mallards. We're just right. covered up in mallards all the time. But so I'll when you hear to shoot my first one, then, Oh yeah. You're welcome. Anytime you're <laughs> yeah. welcome. Anytime because yeah, we we've got, uh, it's actually, it's funny because you talk about dry land hunts. That's what we're focused on right now because our water is basically moving slush at this point. And right. so you, we really can't hunt water unless we're hunting small, like warm water creeks or ponds. 
because our rivers are just slush and the ducks are just sitting on the ice so oh yeah it would it's not even safe to hunt that stuff right now especially with it for put a dog in it oh yeah um but yeah you are sarah you are welcome anytime come on (laughs) out to wyoming and kill some mallards because thank you we have lots (laughs) in certain areas but but so back to the alaska hunt yes i told you we'd get there yes back to this alaska thing you drew the tag you called hugh you got this lined up but that's just backstory right what about the hunt because i for one that's a bucket list bird for me oh yeah and i've been applying for several years now (laughs) and haven't drawn it either so here's here's some luck (laughs) (laughs) thank you i appreciate that if i draw next year i'm it's it's because of you (laughs) yeah i'll come with you so that i can take you where i went (laughs) i would love that'd be cool that'd be cool so tell us about this hunt Okay, so before I talk about the hunt specifically, I have to give a shout out to Bill Sager. Um, He was who I originally booked my hunt with um, in Nelson Lagoon up in Alaska. Um, He's the one that I booked with originally through recommendation from Hugh, of course. Um, Got set up with Mr. Sager and he is fantastic. Um, He, great communicator. He had, we had everything set up, ready to go. And uh, the week before our hunt, the crazy Alaska weather struck and it got the coldest it had been in like 80,000 years. Yeah. Um, and he called and he said, Sarah, I'm really concerned because things are freezing up. Um, so I'm going to recommend that we move your hunt. It'll still be with me, um, but I'm going to move your hunt down to Cold Bay, okay. which was just a little bit further south. Um, he said, everything's still a go, same dates, everything will get just some flat stuff changed around. You'll just be staying at cold Bay instead of Nelson Lagoon. And I said, okay, that sounds great. Let's make it happen. Um, again, Hugh came in and saved the day and assured me that everything was going to be okay. Um, and then a couple of days after that, uh, Mr. Sager called back and said, so crazy story. The Alaska weather has struck again. Mother Nature is determined to make Alaska freeze this year and Cold Bay is freezing up too. Um, I have to, he said, I'm not going to let you miss out on this opportunity. I mean, he was absolutely phenomenal with ensuring that I was not panicking and having a heart attack, that I was not going to get to fill my tag. Um, We had plan A, B, C, and D for how we were going to make this happen. Um, but his, him being straightforward and honest with the situation so easily, he could have let me come up there and, yeah. you know, sat there watching snow falling from the window and not even been able to go out for a hunt. Right. Right. Um, so I, I can't say enough good about him. Um, he's got a fantastic service there in, uh, Nelson Lagoon and cold Bay. Um, and I would recommend him to anybody. We'll be hunting with him later this year. So I'm really looking forward to that too. So what are you going to go back for? Um, eider. I want to get a yeah. King eider and hopefully old squaw, old squaws, number one on my bucket list right now. So, um, throughout the year, I hope to get up there for that. Maybe some brand. Um, we'll have to see what time of the year it is that I can get back up there. Cool. Cool. Um, so after we got the devastating news of Cold Bay also being frozen over. 
Um, Hugh stepped in again. And like we said earlier, he knows everybody. He had a friend, has a friend, Chris Tolliver, that's down in ADAC. So ADAC is way down at the bottom of the Aleutian chain. So considerably further south. And he's, Chris said, hey, I'm going to be out of town with my wife. I'll be in the lower 48. But if you send her up here, tell her we've got a place that she can stay. I have a guide that'll be up here. His name is Ben. Um, and he'll help her out. He'll get her set up and we'll get her on a bird. So we changed flights again. We got um, tickets rebooked again because we had already canceled everything. Yeah. Um, got leave approved through the military again. And uh, then, so we then set our trip to go to ADAC, Alaska that I'd never even heard of before this trip. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That was a military outpost during World War II. <laughs> I know, and it was a Navy, Navy base. Yes, it was. I think 1997. Um, but again, Alaska has just been a dream. You know, yeah. I never, ever thought I would have anything to do with it. So even when Hugh said, you're going to fly into ADAC, I was like, how do you even spell that? And he's like, it's ADAC. I, okay, so we got it all booked. <laughs> um, and uh, so we go up there. It was the following week. I mean, it was just a week prior. Um, get everything, flew into Anchorage, met up with Hugh. He got us um, set up for everything that we needed for the hunt, the um, essentials, the lickies and chewies, as they call them. Apparently, uh, the, huh. these, these things um, are essentials when you're hunting in Alaska. Um, we got our totes, which are also an essential item. Apparently they issue them to every Alaska resident. They don't really issue them, but it seems like they do because that's what everybody travels with. Yep. Um, so we you load pack everything in up. totes up there. Yes, it was crazy. So we got to the airport, um, that Saturday morning, because you can only fly into and out of ADAC on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Okay. Um, we got to um <coughs> excuse me got to the airport everybody had camo and a gun and totes so i was like these are my people i'm in the <laughs> right place <laughs> uh so we we get on the plane we go to adac um they said buckle your seat belts because it's probably going to be a bumpy landing yeah, and but... they were not kidding usually they'll say that when you're flying around the united states and you know it's kind of a little bit bumpy adac they were not messing around but you have to be strapped in or you're going to hit the top of the airplane. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, landed, uh, met up with Ben at the airport. He got us all checked in. It was torrential downpour and like 80,000 knot winds blowing when we got there. Um, typical ADAC weather we learned. And then it was gone 15 minutes later. Um, we got all checked in and settled for the day because it, since it gets dark, you know, fairly early in Alaska in the wintertime. Uh, and then went out the next morning for the emperor goose. And what, and what time of year was this? Um, this was in December. Okay. It was just last month. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, originally I planned on going the last week of November, um, when it was the Nelson lagoon, then cold Bay. Right. Uh, and then because it was a Saturday or Wednesday thing on ADAC, it ended up being, we still went to Alaska um, that Thursday, or yeah, that Thursday. I'm sorry, and then flew to ADAC on Saturday, so it was okay. the first week of December. Okay, cool. Yeah, just and I I knew that. I just wanted to get you to say that 
because oh, okay, people okay. are going to be wondering. They're like, so she was in Alaska, man, and hunting geese. It was freezing up. That's got to be, you know, people think when, when they think of Alaska, they think of this godforsaken frozen wasteland for the most part. And it's <laughs> oh not. That's It's not. There's parts of it, especially this time of year, that are bad. But there's good grief. I-80 in Wyoming is about as bad as it gets anywhere <laughs> in the world right now. So, right. but. So we got to the point where you're there. You went out in the morning. What was the setup? How did it work? I mean, were you covered up in birds? What was the deal? Oh, absolutely not. Um, so all of the time building up to this hunt, um, anybody that has ever had any experience with Emperor Goose Hunt told me how easy it was going to be. Oh my God, this is going to be the easiest hunt ever. There's going to be geese everywhere. You you need to take binoculars so that you can pick what goose you want. You're probably, it'll probably be just down there in the shallows and you can just pick the mature drake and it'll be great. So that's what I had in my mind. Yeah. Um, the next morning, well, that night when we were talking about the next morning, Ben said, Hey, we're going to go down to this bridge and they fly over the bridge at the same time at the same part of the bridge every day. So automatically I was like, Oh, so I'm not shooting from the beach. I'm going to be shooting them in the air. So this is going to be a little more challenging than what I thought, but let's do it. So we go down to the bridge the following morning and there were no geese. <laughs> they had been flying the same bridge, the same path for like six or eight weeks, every single day. Never fails. They must have known that I was there because <laughs> they did not show up. <laughs> uh, there was um, the way the setup was for the lagoon, um, two um, hilly areas along the shoreline, and then the bridge joined them. Sure. Um, the bridge was not, it's not, um, uh, you can't drive across it, but it's a footbridge. At, at, right. Well, at time, at one time you could, but it's oh, just, oh, probably since 1997 is the last it's time. It's decrepit. <laughs> right. Um, so we were there, and we saw a total that whole morning is a total of I think 10 or maybe 12 birds. Wow. Um, but they were uh, about a hundred yards away. You know, way out of my shoot range. Um, one bird came into what would probably be a normal shoot range for somebody, you know, 50 or 60 yards. I'm not that confident in myself. I'm going to be real honest right now. And um, shooting with modified chokes also. So that didn't improve my odds at all. Um, I didn't even shoot because I said, I'm not going to wound a bird. I'm not yeah. going to take a chance on a bird that, you know, I'm not confident in shooting. So I didn't. Um, it, after we left, I was absolutely throwing up sick to my stomach because I thought I'd probably missed out on my chance to fill my tag. Um, very, very tough a couple of first days because I, I was very hard on myself about it. But um, he was encouraging words every day and uh, his lucky necklace. And then my best friend was with me too. So that helped. Um, she was there being the photographer. Um, Haney okay. is her name. She's fantastic. Um, she was there with me. She had said that she wanted to come along to photograph everything and to experience Alaska too. Well, you got some beautiful pictures out of that. Yes, she did a fantastic job. Absolutely. And her being there really helped a lot too. Cause she's like, Hey, you got this, you know, you're, you're, you'll be fine. You just have yeah. to be a little bit patient and take a deep breath and you got it. Um, so that afternoon we went out again and it was 
the absolute worst weather I've ever called myself a hunter in, in my entire <clears throat> existence on planet earth. Um, it was snowing and sleeting and hailing, and I swear it had to have been negative 20. It probably really was maybe 20, but you know, that cold it. Oh yeah. It was miserable. Um, and not one bird flew in our neighborhood at all. Like not even. So then I'm more mad at myself. So the next morning that night, we get back to the lodge. We set up, um, we have an idea. We talk about what we're going to do. We had a whole different plan. We were going to go over to clam lagoon and actually set up some decoys. Oh, cool. Um, now keep in mind the first morning we saw a total of 10 or 12 birds. So I'm like, man, these people talk about emperor geese being just in the droves. Sure. Where are they at? Um, go out the next morning and get everything set up. And about the time the sun came up, you can see that there were probably 300 birds that oh. were out. Um, it probably started out probably a hundred birds, probably 300 yards out. Um, and then, but as the morning went on, like a group of eight would come in or sure. ten would come in group of 15, like these huge groups of birds were coming in and joining this already massive group that was in the lagoon. I'm like, oh, they are here. This is fantastic. But now we got to get them to come over here to us. Mm -hmm. um, there were two other hunters that were also staying at the lodge. They were there for caribou. Um, Tish um, Kenna, well, Kennel was one of them. She was there um, waiting on her children to join later in the weekend. They were mainly there for caribou, but they're residents. So they were also okay. looking to fill their emperor tag. Um, she was sitting beside me. We had set up um, on this marsh area right on the edge of the lagoon. Um, she was sitting beside me. I'd asked them to come with us. Okay. Um, let me backtrack a little bit. Um, I, it's obviously more fun when you have more than just you shooting. That's water. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I told Ben, I said, Hey, can we please ask them if they'll come with us? It'll be more fun. It'll be more comfortable. Um, I think that we need other people. I need other people around me. I, I feel a lot less pressure. Um, I'm used to hunting with several people, please. Sure. Let's just ask them to come with us. And they did, which was amazing. Uh, Tish was sitting beside me and we'd been watching all these birds and been, you know, kind of getting to know each other also. And um, birds flying in and out of that group that was, you know, 250, 300 yards away. Um, and then, you know, we're watching and all of a sudden this group of five came from the left and we're like, oh, I think we're, they're coming for our decoys. Um, this, this group is taking a little bit different path and they're swinging wide. So that's going to put them right over our decoys. And Tish was beside me and she said, this is it, girl, you are fixing to get your bird. And I'm, you know, then my heart starts pounding, you know, <laughs> and she's like, a goose fever. Yes. She's like, you got this, just take a breath. This is your moment. I mean, she was like the best cheerleader ever sitting right beside me. And, you know, I just met her the day before it was fantastic. And it's that bond, you know, that we're talking about. We, we get it. We understand. Absolutely. And she knew, she knew what I needed to hear. You know, it was, oh, it was great. Uh, so the birds come in and uh, the lead bird comes and she said, take it. It's yours. And I did. <laughs> it was great. How, was really how far was your shot? It was fairly close. 
Uh, yeah, our decoys were set up uh, probably 35 yards out, nice. maybe maybe nice. 40 yards, you know. Um, and the, that group of five came in straight over our decoys. And I was sitting to the far um, right of our group. And they had all agreed that because I was non-resident that I would be the first to shoot. So I took the lead bird of the group because I was the farthest over. Yeah. Um, and shoot your was, lane, shoot your lane. Was, right. Exactly. And it was a perfect, perfect bird. It, I mean, big white head and little pinkish blue beak. And there was, it was so perfect. I cannot tell you that it's feathers. It just looked like it was this perfect goose that fell out of the sky. And, you know, I never dreamed that I could get buck fever from a bird and it happened. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I, I just pulled up Facebook again and I'm looking at your picture of it and it's like, that, that's a, that is an amazing bird. Yes. Just yes. incredible. That is, I mean, such a cool story that, and it goes back into, you know, what we were talking earlier about the camaraderie. Oh, people yeah. you don't even know and That's you end right. up hunting with them and they're you're sharing a life experience with them that's like you're gonna remember that forever that's right you know did you and so i'm i'm, I'm assuming this bird's at your taxidermist right now um it it absolutely is it is <laughs> um my taxidermist named hugh clark um he's, he's doing to, it for you yeah <laughs> nice he's the one taking care of it um he kept that and the harley um that was my number one bucket list bird was a harlequin at that, at that time was a harlequin and um i got that the second day um which was also fantastic and i shot that one at the bridge <laughs> so yeah it looks like um, you're standing right on the bridge i, I was, I was. Yeah, that's a good the, looking that's a good looking drake Oh yeah. I was very, very proud of that. Um, and Ben bless his heart. <laughs> he had been with me through all of it, you know, and when I shot the Harlequin, we both like ran to each other. It's like you see it in a movie and just like a big, huge bear hug. And then we're like, <laughs> wait a minute, we don't even know each other. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, but still, still. <laughs> we were just so excited, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. That is so cool. That is an experience that I think, you know, Alaska, you could chase ducks, you could chase waterfowl, you could chase game all over the, the world. That's right. And, but Alaska is a special place. It, you it know, there's in your soul. It, I promise, man, I, I don't know of any other place that I've ever been that I've, I lived there for two years, two summers as a <laughs> commercial fisherman on Kodiak. And I barely made it out of there. And I spent the next two years or three years trying to figure out how to get back right? and it didn't end up working to be that way. But Alaska has a soft, has a soft place right here in That's my, right. in my heart. And I think it probably does yours too. Oh, absolutely. And it's more than just a little place now, you know, it's, it's filling up my heart more and more. You're going to go back. Well, I know oh. you're going, I know you're going back. Cause you said you were, but you know, you've got, there's so much there. It's more than That's just sea right. ducks. You know, you could go shoot a mallard in Alaska. <laughs> I, I've already got a lot of big plans for Alaska in the awesome. future. So um, awesome. Yeah, I will definitely be back. No, that is that is awesome. That just listen to your story, you know, the talking about it, I could picture it, you know, in my in my in my mind. And then looking at your photographs, phenomenal photographs. Just yes. like 
that's such a big part of of any more of what we do especially here with wingmen is the photography side of things taking video taking photographs it seemed like when i was younger it was just you know going out getting birds shooting limits having a good time but the pictures were you know eh, they're ancillary yeah. they're after the fact and now disposable camera the old (laughs) click that was what we had you know and now it's like if i don't have somebody there with with a high-end long lens setup man i am busting my butt with my phone (laughs) you know getting angles and doing it just right i i killed a bucket list bird on on new on new year's eve day i killed a big bull sprig pintail nice and i never I, i shot a handful of hens yeah but i just never we don't get a lot of them here yeah and in michigan they were like unicorns i mean they oh, yeah. they didn't exist and you'd hear rumors i saw bull pintail and you know oh, whatever yeah. but we get I, them here for sure hopefully oh, i know be. you guys get a lot of them out in california <laughs> yeah. i hear i got a guy that we hunt with a gentleman here named chris holworth and uh he's he's from california originally he's been in wyoming a long time he's like oh I got buddies out there. Let's go out there and kill pintails. And it's like, yeah, yeah man, whatever. But well, our limit is still only one. So you get yeah, we can shoot two can here kill. in the central. But oh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to kill two pintails. I mean, yeah, right. We saw two the day I shot that one. And I killed the second one we saw. And the first one right. was like, there's a pintail, you know, or anyway. <laughs> well, congratulations. That's no, fantastic. thank you. Thank you very yeah. much. But the point of that is I, you know, we didn't let the dog go retrieve it. It was a dry land. It was cornfield hunt. We oh, yeah. walked out to it and it was laying there all perfect and angelic, you know, and we picked it up and brought it over and we immediately start like posing it and taking pictures. Like <laughs> yeah. this thing's made out of gold, you know, yes. but that's huge. And so, and it's not just for the gram, you know, it's like, right. I, I have those pictures. I already have one printed off and framed. Yes. And it's part of that collection. You know, that bird will go to the taxidermist here probably next week, but. Well, I will forever be grateful that Haney was there with me, you know, yeah. for reasons than one, you know, number one, she's my best friend. So she was able to help me in the time where I wasn't sure that I was going to make it. And then to be able to capture the moment and, you know, right after I'm uh, pretty tough and people don't believe that I know how to cry. Um, she got tears rolling down the side of my face right after I shot the bird. So uh, she, you know, she got every bit of it and it was fantastic. No, that's awesome. Yeah. And that's the stuff that where having somebody there to take pictures or making sure that you're taking pictures with whatever you have, whether it's a camera, whether it's a phone, it gives you the ability to look back on those hunts and you that's get fine. the little moments that slip through the cracks. They just disappear. Yeah whether it's a look or whether it's a, 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 a moment capture of, of people laughing or whatever it might be taking the time to, to take photographs is yeah. My for years, well, not years, but when we were first married, my, my wife loves taking, doing photography. It was a big passion of hers before she started, before we started having children. And now it's, it's still there, but it's back here more. And, <laughs> right. But she would go all the time and do exactly what you're saying and just snap yeah. pictures. And we'd have that stuff to look back on. That's phenomenal. You got a picture of a, of a rock ptarmigan here or a yes. willow, 
Oh, yeah, I think it's a rock ptarmigan. It is a rock ptarmigan. Yep. Different coloration than a willow ptarmigan. Uh, yeah. And I'm assuming that's probably the first one of those you ever killed. It was. It was. Um, we got that the um, afternoon after the Harley. We went, um, Tisha and her crowd, they had a couple of dogs and said, you know what, let's take the dogs out and see, or let's take the dog out and see how he does. Um, it's very, very, very windy, but, you know, ptarmigans should be easy. The snow had melted, mm -hmm. um, ADAC and it's weather, you know, it'll snow, it'll stick for a little bit, then it'll melt a couple hours later, and then it'll snow again. So we were in the in-between systems and um, were able to see the ptarmigan that had already turned to the white side, you know, right. and uh, drove around a little bit and shot a couple of birds. And that was the first one that I shot. Oh, that's cool. That yeah. is, that is super cool. And then that night we had ptarmigan for supper. How so, was it? Oh, it was fantastic. It was, was really, it really good. Dark, right? I'm sorry. Dark. It, oh yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. They're like, uh, so it seems like it seems like those grouse, with the exception of uh, duskies and sooties and rough grouse, grouse are dark. You know, it's That's the same right. same with our sage grouse and sharp tail here in Wyoming. They are. You open one up, people are like, I thought that was going to be like chickens. Like, mm -mm, yeah. this is better than chicken. This is more like this is more like ribeye. Yes. Yeah, they are. It's good stuff. But yes. Well, wow, that is super super cool. So you go on deployment here uh, shortly. You said. That's right. And you're going out this weekend. Other than trying to get back to Alaska, what do you have locally coming up? Do you guys have good numbers of birds in California right now? Um, right. January is usually the, the good hunting time around here. Uh, and then we have a the Veterans Weekend um, in February. It's usually the second weekend in February. Um, I'm part of another organization called Make a Difference Outdoors. And uh, it's veterans and active duty that um, we have stuff set up um, for all kinds of hunts. They do a, a lot of things even out of the area, but it's a fantastic organization that is set up for um, doing things for veterans, even um, you know veterans that are not used to hunting, those that have been hunting their whole life. They set up hunts for ducks and geese and pheasant and big game stuff that's even out of the area. But uh, we have a veterans hunt Ron Cross Memorial Hunt uh, that we do every year. And we're in the process of getting that rolling right now. Started taking signups this week, as a matter of fact, cool. for veterans and uh, people that are interested in it. Do a hunt on Saturday morning, um, a barbecue that night at the club. And then the next day do, um, you know, a little bit of skeet shooting and just some camaraderie sitting having around. Having fun. Having fun, those stories like we do. And uh, so that'll probably, that usually wraps up the season for waterfowl. Uh, and then we do turkey, spring turkey and um, pheasant. You know, we'll catch the tail end of pheasant usually. And then summertime starts early deer season. And then, you know, before you know it, it's time to go back duck hunting again. Yeah, it's, it never ends. It seems like there's always something to hunt. My, yes. you know, people ask me, well, it doesn't, 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 there any downtime and i'm like yeah a few days here and a few days there but <laughs> right. there's something to hunt pretty much year round that's right well that's super cool but i took down that name uh the make a difference outdoors oh yeah i'm, I'm gonna try to get a link in fact i'll probably have you shoot me an email yes, link yes yes <clears throat> we'll do what we can when we post this up on social media for example we'll make sure that some of these links are in there um okay. so people can 
people can get a hold of you and if they've got an idea for a hunt or they have somebody they want to hook up with a hunt yes that's you know making those things happen is what this what this family of waterfowlers and hunters is all about so that's right that is super cool but sarah i want to say we've been on this for i think about an hour now and it's 11 o'clock at night my time (laughs) (laughs) anyway i want to say thank you again for taking the time out of a busy schedule and joining on coming on here to tell us a store a hunting story about who you are and about this emperor goose because like i said i for one that's a bucket list bird (laughs) i know i'm not alone in that so hearing your hearing your story is inspiring and it's definitely makes me like that application's worth it every time i fill it out absolutely uh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then, uh, then right. I got to figure out a way to get up there and get it taken care of. My well, first call will be you, to Hugh. Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Alaska Waterfowl Association. I can't say enough good things about them. Um, a great, great group of people. Um, and you know, he was the president. So it's a, of course it's a good organization, solid and can help you out. They are always, always willing to bend over backwards and help people out, especially when it comes to outdoor stuff up there. Yeah. And that was one of the things that Hugh and I talked about on the podcast when I had him on was if anybody has any questions or a desire to hunt Alaska, call them, call Hugh, get a hold of him on Facebook. He's pretty active on Facebook. Um, Yeah, get a hold of him and, and AWA and they will help you line out a hunt, whether it's outfitted or you want to come up and do something DIY. Yes. He has all the connections and he can make, make that dream hunt in Alaska happen for you. And having, having a connection, a local connection. And when I say local, when it's Alaska, that means the whole state, you know, it's, (laughs) and it's just the way it is, but having that is priceless. And so get a hold of him. You are proof in the pudding that having that connection makes all the difference in the world. Yes, it really does. And, you know, we know people all over the United States um, that are in the same family, the waterfowl family, you know, wanting to get people together, wanting to make those memories, wanting to get people out there that want to go. So it's definitely a good thing to be a part of. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I am going to wrap this up by saying, first of all, Thank you for being on the podcast again. Thank you for your service to our greatest country on earth. Yes. And if you could only hunt one bird one way the rest of your life, what's it going to be? Oh, my gosh. That is an impossible question. No, it's not. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It will never be an emperor goose again. I promise you that. That was way too much pressure. Too much pressure. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot. No. Um, I, I don't know, probably hunting with my daddy again in Florida. Those that, I would go back to that. Those are some good days, you know, that you get yeah. started with and um, memories that would definitely last a lifetime. I would probably go back to those days. That was pretty great. Cool. cool. And that, it's, it's interesting. Everybody has a different, a different bird and a different way they want to hunt them. And you're the second person that said it's not a bird and it's not a place. It's with a person. That's right. In a certain, in this location, you know, it's not, it's not flooded, flooded timber mallards or cornfield Canada's it's duck camp with dad. That's right. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate it. 